Hello, 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 Boss Babes. Welcome to our other series of mini-sodes featuring Boss Babes in the Ottawa Valley and Lanark County that go beyond entrepreneurs and business owners. We are recognizing role models, activists, corporate leaders, and working professionals who are breaking barriers, sparking important conversations, and championing for change. We want to be inclusive and embrace those that are making an impact, are changing their communities, and are bringing awareness to topics that sometimes have the potential to generate controversy. Because ambitious and powerful boss babes aren't just making waves in the entrepreneurship world, and they too need to be heard. Now let's kickstart the conversation. Welcome to Boss Babe Corner. If your hens stop laying or your cows go dry, go to MR Feeds and Farm Supply. Tools for the garden, litter for the cat, rubber boots for the missus because she likes it like that. There's three locations if you're driving around Mixburg, Shawville, and Pembroke Town. Prices are low and values high at MR Feeds and Farm Supply. MR has been feeding what feeds your family for 40 years. Thank you to all our customers for your continued support. At MR Feeds and Farm Supply. Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Boss Babe Corner. Located on 375 acres outside of Calabogie in Ashdad, you can find a five-acre market garden, three greenhouses, cows, goats, chickens, pigs, three livestock guardian dogs, and a couple that is fiercely supportive of one another with the sweetest little farmer helper. These farmers want to keep the great in greater Madawaska and beyond by providing their community with the freshest, naturally grown products and strive to demonstrate how their food is raised and nurture the connection between community and farmer. Please welcome Chris Norton and Kristen Wagner from Long Lane Farms to Boss Babe Corner. Hi. Hi, thank you for having us. Guys, thank you so much for being a part of OB Boss Babes. Before we start the conversation, I just have to acknowledge and thank and appreciate both of you for being longtime followers of the podcast. And Chris, you and I were chatting earlier and we were just talking about persistence. And that is one of the key things about being a business owner, right? Is persistence and showing up and knocking on doors and putting your business out there and making it known. And I've known about you guys right from the get-go because Chris, you've been sliding in the DMs raising Kristen. Kristen, I feel like I know you so much already because of how much of a supporter and champion that Chris is of you. No, it's, he's very supportive. And, and I feel like you're right. Being a business owner, you're constantly knocking on doors. You're looking for opportunities and just growing your community, Exactly. whether it's your actual customers or just businesses, your business community is almost just as important uh, as your customers who support you through it all. Mm -hmm, exactly. All right, Chris, I want to put the spotlight on you for a second here and hear your story because Long Lane Farms, it's it's your family farm. So how many generations has it been in your family for? This one is just, uh, I guess, three now with the baby. So uh, yeah, we started out as a beef farm. Uh, I, as a kid, I, I don't think any kid likes working on like a farm, but you you learn to love it, I guess. And then Kristen and I, we started to add more stuff, like because we were just beef, and then we lived through the mad cow crisis, and my dad lost a lot of money that that way. And then we uh, we started to bring in chickens, beef, pork, goats, and a market garden. So that's how we started. Yeah, I actually remember like growing up, and we had like 
we had one little farmer boy that uh, that was in my class. And I remember just thinking it was the coolest thing because this is back in the day when a field trip was like, maybe just a little consent form to saying, are you going to go to Kyle Sachs farm? <laughs> little yeah. plug to Kyle Sack in my, in my uh, elementary school. And everyone went home with a little form and it was like, okay, for a field trip this, this summer, everyone's going to go to Kyle's farm and go check it out. And I remember like looking around being like, oh, wow, this is your life. Like you get to play with chickens and horses and cows. And like, this must be so fun. And he was just like, it's not fun. Like it's a lot of work. Like it's a whole family affair. And I think this is why farmers have such big families because you need all the helping hands around, right? Yeah. It's uh it's a different lifestyle than most people are like used to. Like when you're sick or when it's cold or hot, you still have to get up and go. And vacations don't ha happen too often. And like Easter and Thanksgiving, they get, get like cut short because you have to feed the animals or. You got the chores to do. Something <laughs> like yeah, the chores. There's always chores. Do you guys have your holiday meals like around lunchtime? Because my husband comes from uh, a bunch of dairy farmers in his family and Christmas, Easter, we all have to eat at lunchtime because everyone's got the chores and stuff to do afterwards. We can never have it at actually a dinner. No, dairy farmers are a different breed. Of, they're even okay. above us. <laughs> like they're, <laughs> they are actually crazy. Like <laughs> do that type of lifestyle. I don't think we could do, do it. No. Yeah. It's round I, the clock. Yeah. Like uh, that's, that's crazy. Like people think we are nuts, but they're pretty, uh, that's a different breed of people. Well, that was one thing I remember like talking to my husband, like back when he was my boyfriend at the time and, and knowing that his family came from a, from a generation of dairy farmers. And I remember being like, you're not going into this, are you? And he was like, no, we're not going down that path. I'm like, are you sure? Because like, I need to know this long-term because I'm not being a farmer's wife because that was a personal choice of me. I'm like, I can barely get up early in the morning. Like I, I don't like doing outside stuff. Like I don't want to be like, it's enough of a chore to get me to go pick up the dog poo in the backyard. So I knew that I didn't want to go down that path. But Kristen, I want to kind of turn it on you to hear about your experience with this when you first uh, started dating Chris. Yeah. I'm, I'm very persuasive. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be perfectly honest, farming was in Chris's life, but it was his father's lifestyle in his father's business. Um, and so Chris and I met almost 10 years ago. It'll be 10 years in June. Um, and if you had asked either of us 10 years ago, if we'd be farming, the answer would have been no. Um, I think if we hadn't met 10 years ago, our lives would be very, very different. And worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, I happen to be going through like a quarter life crisis. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I had a university degree in marine biology, um, and I had no intention of sticking around the valley. Uh, but in a, a couple of years before we met, my dad got sick. And so I decided to stick around to spend more time with him. So it was really hard to find jobs. Um, and I decided to go back to school. And that summer before, the only place that would hire me was Calabogie Peaks. And Chris happened to be working there that summer too. And that's where we met and fell in love and fell in love. <laughs> and that's where the story starts. Um, within the first eight months of our relationship, we lost both of our fathers to cancer within a week of each other. Um, so in a new relationship that really helps to mature it very fast, like things got real very quickly as we dealt with the loss and the grief. Um, and even then farming wasn't in the picture. 
Um, I don't know if it, I don't want to speak for Chris, but I don't think he really had much of an intention of farming. Um, the yeah. livestock all got sold after his father passed and we sort of just went on with our lives. We both got jobs in our field. Chris went back into the electrical field. Um, I started an internship um, in the biology aspect of my science degree. We bought our first house and we started renovating it. And probably, I think it was late 2016, Chris suffered his fourth concussion, um, which put him out of work. And it was in that time, unbeknownst to me, he started developing the business plan for the farm. Um, and he worked on it for months behind the scenes. I had no idea. Um, and he brought it to me one day. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> this like 120 page business plan. And this is what he wanted to do. And my first reaction was to cry. That's not what I had pictured for my life. Um, I had the anxiety of going from two full-time jobs, both of us bringing in incomes to him not wanting to go back to work. We'd lose that income, wanting to take on a lot of debt to start a farm. Um, and so it was a lot of persuasion. And eventually I did say yes. And I'm glad that I did because we wouldn't have the life that we have today. Um, the farm wouldn't be in existence. So it was a big leap. It was a lot of hard work, fighting. a lot of fighting, crying, a lot of crying, <laughs> but it was just, we just put our heads down and we started working and that's how the farm sort of started. Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. This is a lot of information to like consume right now, guys. First of all, I just want to say, I'm so sorry that you guys both lost your dads at the same time. That's really hard. Um, what a way to bring people close together to well, lean on each other for support. But, and that's like the, why sort of why I wanted to start the fire. I, I believe a lot of why people are sick is because of the food. So that's why we raise our, our, like our like animals the way we do and grow our, our vegetables the way we, we do. Cause we don't like, we don't use any, like any chemicals. So but yeah, like what, what a journey though it's been and a conversation that I have with a lot of business owners, guys, especially like husband, wife entrepreneurs is if one person goes in and the other person's supportive, um, one of my girlfriends actually in particular, her husband just like left his municipal job and he's like, I'm thinking about starting a business. And she says to me when she's like doing my hair, she's like, Holly, like, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. Like we don't have an income. Like, like this is like something that was going to be sustainable. Like at least one of us had like a nine to five job. And I was like, but how was it for you when he, when you first started your business and was he supportive and was he excited for you? And I'm like, you kind of have to be able to be that supportive partner right back to somebody, um, which I know is so hard. Like, it's so hard to be able to say, we're going to go all in in this. And I mean, especially a farmer, Kristen, like you were saying, like, it's a lot of debt. This is a lot of undertaking. This is a new territory for you. You're like, oh, here we go. Like, <laughs> hold on tight, buckle up, because it's going to be a bumpy ride. Pretty much. That's, you nailed it with that. That's, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, but luckily, I don't really back down from a challenge. I sort of thrive in in the chaos so I have jumped in and I really haven't looked back. So Chris, how did you decide then that you were going to get into farming then after your father had passed? Like you said that, I mean, the four concussions, like, 
oh my goodness, like that's a, that's already a lot too. Like with something just kind of going in your brain, being like, wait a second. I guess I bumped. I guess I bumped my heart, my like head the wrong, the wrong or or the right way. Definitely <laughs> like, the right way. <laughs> yeah. So no, it was just, it was just something that I, I, I don't know. I just had a feeling that it would be a great lifestyle, and I don't even know actually. It, I thought at the beginning to be a great way to make money. And now we're switching to that type of lifestyle. Like, I think a lot of people are going into this type of farming with the, like, the organic idea and they don't want, and they don't realize how much work it is and how much debt and how late the money comes. Like, it's not like an instant type of money. It sounds good on the, on our business plan, but stuff dies, uh, plants don't grow, bugs, like, it's just, there's life, so... It just takes a lot of uh, a lot of persistence and like being really bullheaded to get through it. <laughs> so it works. <laughs> <laughs> now, I read this article on Google where the title was Farm Wives, the Unsung Heroes of Agriculture. Kristen, how have you become involved in the day to day farm operations? And I can imagine that you also like are shouting the praise of this article title because I read that. And I was like, that is very, very true. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so when we had started the farm, I was working a nine to five that didn't really stop me. I still dove right in to all of the tasks at hand. Um, when we did start, we were primarily a market garden with a couple of animals. Um, so I would literally drive to my job in Pembroke. Um, I would work all day. I would drive back home. And then I'd work on the farm until 10 o'clock at night. And there was a lot of days she, she'd come out to the farm at 5.30 and leave here at 8 to get to her actual job. So I, in the beginning, I did everything. And I, it's still true today. I do the social media. I do our email marketing, our website design. Uh, I take orders. I pack them. I deliver them. I attend farmer's markets. Um, and then as our business evolved to include animals, um, I I have always had a love of animals and I've never, a lot of people talk about um, fearing large animals, but that's never phased me. I We joke all the time about how I have no fear. Um, and so it was nothing for me to jump in and whether it's feeding the animals, um, catching them, catching them, sorting them putting them on the trailer, driving the trailer, um, helping animals give birth, doing midnight checks, early in the morning checks. I'm literally involved in all aspects of the farm. Now, are you, are you still working your full-time job, Kristen, or have you jumped in with Chris full-time with the farm? I was working full-time up until, um, January of this year. Um, but after sort of a difficult, end of my year last year. So I, I actually lost my mother at the end of August. Oh, I'm so um, sorry. And, thank you. And between that and then Chris got really sick and was in the hospital in November, I was finding the struggle to balance farm life, motherhood, and my full-time job a lot. Um, and so I've, I'm currently on um, a one-year leave of absence from work. Um, a lot of it is just to help myself just get back into my own groove. Um, but we also want to 
see if we could make the farm successful enough that I can leave my full-time job come January. So we saw the benefits of me being on mat leave a couple of years ago where I was able to be on the farm all day, every day. Um, and we saw that our sales it increased significantly. Um, so we thought that if we could try it out for a year, that maybe I would be fortunate enough to make the farm my full-time job from now on. Well, I, I think that kudos goes to your employer for recognizing that you kind of needed that step back in order to adjust and um, juggle all of your roles because Kristen, that's a lot. And then of course, like losing, now losing your mom, like now you've lost both parents and then having to also like work a full-time job and being a mom at the same time, like that's a lot. So I'm really glad that you kind of took that step back. You realized and recognized what you needed, Chris, you too, for being like, again, that supportive partner to Kristen, um, to help her navigate like this. And, uh, yeah. And then of course taking the year to kind of see where things go. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, where you guys are at a year from now. Yeah, it it's, it's exciting. We have some plans, so hopefully everything pans out. Okay, guys, let's talk about long lane farms now. So tell us why you prefer to grass feed your livestock and, and give us all the scoop about long lane farms. The idea of long lane farms came about in 2017 and our first full season um, was 2018. And our goal for the farm has always been um, to produce, whether it's vegetables or meat, produce our food in a natural way um, and provide it to our community. But we also noticed that there was a broken link between sort of the community and the farmer. So we've always been really big advocates of knowing your farmer knowing where your food comes from and trying to really rebuild that connection. Um, and before I get into why we choose to grass feed, I just wanted to mention like when we started, um, we were primarily a market garden. And as Chris had said before, we took sort of an organic approach um, and used more biointensive methods, which I can talk more about later. Um, but really we wanted to garden in a way that we were giving back to the land more than what we were taking. Um, and so when we made the shift into meat production, we wanted to take um, a regenerative agriculture approach. So similar to our garden, we wanted to put more into our surrounding environment and our farm ecosystem than we were taking away. So it was sort of a natural progression for us to move to the grass fed and the pasture raised meats. Uh, because by using the animal's abilities or their unique characteristics, they can actually do that job for us. So all of our animals on the farm have a job. I mean, their primary job is to fill our freezers in the end, but they each bring unique characteristics that help us to improve our surrounding environment. Yeah, they're and your employees. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, and by doing that, we are giving them a really good quality of life. And that was something that we were really passionate about. Um, more conventional farming types, cows are on feedlots for most of their lives. Um, poultry and Doesn't pigs see the light of day. are in a barn. They don't really get to experience light or fresh air or grass. And we did not want to raise our animals that way. 
So our, our beef are 100% grass fed and grass finished. They spend their summers on the pasture and then they're fed hay all winter. Um, and the rest of our animals, our pigs, our chickens, our turkeys, our ducks, they're all what we consider pasture raised. So in the summer, they are out on pasture. They have access to fresh air, to grass, to bugs. Um, but we do supplement feed for them, um, which leads me to the next reason why we raise our animals this way is feed costs. So that's something that's kind of skyrocketed over the last couple of years. And if we were to raise our animals the more conventional way, our feed costs would be through the roof. And it's not really good for a business model. Um, for us, we want to, we don't want to be gouging our customers and charging astronomical rates. Um, we want to keep things as reasonable as possible. So by supplementing their feed with pasture, it's really helped um, keep those costs down. Right. Uh, but the biggest thing is the taste. So what was the nail in the coffin for us was the first time we tried our beef, our pork, our chicken. If you have not had this meat that has been grass-fed or pasture-raised and has lived a great life, you're missing out. The taste is so different than what you find in a grocery store. Um, even the nutrient composition of these animals is completely different. There's lower fat, there are higher nutrients. Um, it's just all around better for you. So that was really what led us to continue raising our animals the way that they that we do. And our customers um, incredibly happy with the final product. So why wouldn't we keep going the way that we're going and use our animals to help us rejuvenate the land? I love that. I love that so much. And you know what else I love, guys, is your tagline. Know your farmer, know your food. So why is it important for the community to learn more about where their food comes from and appreciate how it gets to their plate? Like I said, I feel like somewhere along the line, and I don't know where it was or when it was, but the connection between the farmer and and the customer was lost. People really weren't thinking about how the food got to the grocery store or how it ended up on their plate. Um, and I think that was a big driving force for us. We wanted to reestablish that connection. And the other, the other reason is I feel like a lot of people really don't understand how hard farming is, mm -hmm. how much effort is put into raising the food that goes to the grocery store, that goes um, on the plates. It's a lot of effort. And that's sort of one of the reasons I've become uh, more vocal, I guess, on social media, I've been, I try to share a lot of our life um, and what it takes. And this goes to even just being a small business owner too. A lot of people don't really understand or appreciate like the grind, mm -hmm. the work that we have to do to keep things afloat. I think farmers raised to not share the bad, keep it to yourselves. And it got to the point it was last year, we had a loss on our farm and I was like, you know what? This is what we need to start sharing about because farming had almost become glamorized 
on social media and people were showing how easy it was and talking about the good parts. And I was like, you know what? We need to be authentic. We need to show our customers what we deal with on a daily basis. We go from the highest highs to the lowest lows. Within 10 minutes. Within 10 minutes of each other. Like it happens very fast. And I feel like by doing that and by opening up and really sharing our experiences, our customers have really caught on to that. And I can tell that they have a greater appreciation for the food that they are buying from us. And I think that is super important. I think that's what we need. We need to be establishing the connection between the farmer and the customer and really um, promoting that local food system. And we have the best customers. Our customers have been with us right from the, the like start and they are with us through the ups and downs and they never back away they always help no it's they've been phenomenal the other big thing too though Kristen, is about like the relatability because who can't relate to failure in life everybody makes mistakes and one quote that i really love from oprah that i like try to live my life by is is uh which is like so corny but it's true she had said there's no such thing as failure failure is just life trying to move us in another direction and I think that that just stands true to everything that we do, right? And especially for business owners, like it just means that like, this is a learning opportunity. Try again, get back up and see what works now for you. Well, and that, and that's just it. And that's the other thing I've been trying to make light of like this business. It's just Chris and I, we, we are two people undertaking a lot and we make mistakes and we try to learn from them and we just try to bring our best selves moving forward. All right, guys, now I want to hear about your artisanal chicken program. And this innovative program is the first of its kind in Canada. And I, I actually did my research about this, which is really, really interesting. So how does this program create opportunities for small, independent, locally based farmers to meet the local demands for safe and high quality chicken? Yeah, so we've been part of this program. I think this is year five for us um, being part of the program. And I think what people or most people might not know, we hear a lot about supply management in the dairy um, sector, but there's also supply management with chickens. So chicken, all chicken sales in Ontario is governed by uh, the chicken farmers of Ontario. And anyone in Ontario can grow up to 300 chickens um, and sell them, but can only sell them from their farm. So that right there was a bit of a barrier for us when we started raising chickens. We weren't raising very many, um, but we- The first year we did, what, 100? Yeah, we might've done 100, but we realized like we needed to be able to sell our chickens from more than just our farm gate because it just wasn't realistic. So- the artisanal chicken program started and it was geared towards smaller farms um, to increase their business opportunity, but also allow the consumer to be able to get their hands on local products. So in this program, we're able to raise anywhere from 600 to 3000 chickens in a year. And the nice thing about it while it is heavily regulated, we, we fo- have to follow the highest standards for animal welfare. And so 
the quality is there from start to finish. And by doing this, uh, we are able to now sell, we can sell from the farm gate, but we are able to sell our chickens to restaurants and to stores and to butcher shops and bring it to farmer's markets and deliver them to your door. So while it's more paperwork for us on the back end, keeping strict um, logs, um, doing yearly audits with Chicken Farmers of Ontario and having on-farm inspections, um, it was really important for us to take that step so that we could get our chickens into more hands. Darn right it is. Guys, that's that's huge. Congratulations on that. Yeah, we were for the first couple of years, we were, I think, the for the only. we were the only farm for the longest time in Renfrew County. And now there are, I think last year there were two of us, and now there's three, maybe four. Um, yeah, it's been it's been excellent. That's cool. Now I want to quickly talk to you guys about your meat share program. So tell us more about that. Yeah, so that was I think that came about. I think that came about during the pandemic um, and I'm not really sure how we got there, but essentially what the meat share program is, it's like a CSA. Um, and for, for those that don't know what a CSA is, it's a community supported agriculture program. So typically you see like veggie baskets, that's your typical CSA that you're going to see. And as our farm slowly transitioned to be more meat production than produce production, uh, we thought that there was a great opportunity to do a CSA for meat. So we just threw it out there to our customers. We weren't sure how it was going to go, but it's been insane. Um, so basically how the share works is there are two sizes that people can choose from. And each share comes with standard cuts every month. So things that are that we consider to be staples in a house. So it's typically a chicken, some ground beef and ground pork. And then the rest of the monthly allotment um, dollar wise, the customer gets to pick. So they are sent um, an order form with everything that we have available and they can select what they want to see in their share. And I think that flexibility for the customer has been what has made this program so well received mm -hmm. because a lot of times with subscriptions or CSAs or things like that, it's a lot of the farmer's choice. It's with vegetables, it's what's in season, it's what's growing well, um, what there might be a lot of, um, and some of the things that we learned from having a vegetable CSA is that sometimes a customer just wants to be able to pick what they're receiving. Um, so by letting the customer choose what meats they want, they can meal plan better and they can be sure that they are getting things that they're going to use. And so we're going into, this will be our first year running it for the entire year. So we've been running it quarterly. Um, so we do three month allotments. So it's only a three month commitment. It's short, but the number of customers that have been resubscribing over the last year and a half is insane. And we're so excited about it. 
Yeah, you get to skip the grocery store, enjoy the taste of local meats, and it's a real farm to table experience. And I'm not, I'm reading that actually right off your website. Um, <laughs> and, and it's a great value too. Like I, I'm reading here that you get 10 to 20% added value each month and, uh, and you get to stock your freezer with the classics. Like instead of running to the grocery store every time, not knowing where you're getting your meats from, why not support your local farmers? And, uh, and then you're set for a couple months. Absolutely. And, and the nice thing about the program is we also, so there's, it's um, a certain dollar amount per month, but our customers always have the option to add more. So if they know that they're having a big family dinner or they are maybe meal prepping for something, they can always add the extras that they need. And we see a lot of our customers doing that They're They really try to stock their freezers up and it's just, it's, been amazing to see. And are you guys doing local deliveries too? Yeah. So we do local deliveries. We do weekly deliveries within sort of our immediate radius. So the Calabogie run through arm prior area. Um, and then once a month we're up towards Eganville because we are part of the Ottawa Valley food co-op. And then we also deliver up to Pembroke, Petawawa, Ottawa. We're sort of all over the place now and we deliver right to your door. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to try one of these because our freezer is getting a little bit low on stock and inventory of meat. So sign me up for one of these because I would love to try Long Lane Farms meats. Here. Absolutely. We can hook you up for sure. I mean, especially if you guys are coming down my way. One less yeah. trip I have to make. Absolutely. <laughs> so Kristen, what's one thing about being a female farmer that you wish that more women knew about? This is a tough one because I feel like there are a lot of things. Um, but I think the biggest thing, and, may, and it doesn't just relate to being a farmer, but just as a woman, like you, you can do it all. Like you're not, you don't have to be limited to either typical female roles or what society thinks um, you can do it all. And I feel like I have heard things like, oh, you, you do that, or you can't do that. Um, people are shocked to know that I handle pigs daily, I can load them in a trailer, I can drive the trailer. Um, or even when I was pregnant, I was 41 I was weeks. 41 weeks pregnant in the field picking beans in a 40 degree heat wave. Um, you can do it. Should you do it? Maybe not. But if your <laughs> body is telling you you can do it, you can do it. And I think women in farming and women just in general just need to be advocates for themselves. And just say, no, like we, we can do this. I love that. Kristen, preach woman, preach. <laughs> and what do you enjoy most about being a part of Long Lane Farms with Chris? She is the main part. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my favorite part is, well, I have several favorite parts. That's the thing. Um, I love working with the animals. I love being hands-on. I love seeing life from beginning to end other than, other than our chickens, which as part of the, the program that we are in, we have to buy them from a hatchery, but everything else we raise right here. So they are born here and they leave from here to go to be processed. Um, so it's amazing to be part of that. But my other favorite thing is just watching our daughter grow up in this life. I really did not know what to expect, but just to see 
how excited she gets to see a new baby animal or to drive on the tractor and to help feed the cows. Like that's, that's just amazing. And I hope that her spark for farming continues and she doesn't really lose it. Um, but I think right now that's my favorite part of farming. Well, you guys are setting a great example for her and all of your followers love following along and watching little Eloise um, with the pigs and feeding the goats. And, and like I was saying to you off the pod, she almost needs her own Instagram page, you know, like a, a little long lane farmer in the works. She is a character and she is always, and I think it's true to all toddlers. She is her authentic self all of the time. And just that alone is content right there. She is a content <laughs> queen. Yes. But I'm in that I'm in that strange zone about how much do I really want to share my toddler mm -hmm. with the world. So yeah. It's well, something we can definitely think about. A hundred percent. No, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. And it's so funny. Like toddlers really are their own content creators. Like authentically unintentionally it's just like the things that they do and come up with like I know sometimes I like look at my own daughter and I'm like what are you doing like this I, I have the perfect song that would like match like what you're doing right now which is so funny but uh just thinking about you know even when she goes off to school who knows who knows maybe we can kind of bring back the whole farm tour and stuff and she can have you know all of her classmates coming for a little tour about around uh, Long Lane Farms yeah no absolutely like we we like to bring people to the farm to show them what's going on. We have our daughter's daycare come out at least once a year to um, interact with animals and to see how things work here. So anytime you want to bring your daughter, like you are more than welcome. Yeah, I think our daughters would have a heyday, <laughs> literally. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys. And who is one local boss babe that inspires both of you, or it could be one or the other, that you guys think everyone should know about? I think the one um, that I would like to highlight is Julie Hartwick. So she runs the Village Market store in Burnstown, and she has been phenomenal to work with. We have worked with her since she opened her store I think almost two years ago, she is a huge supporter. She stocks the store's freezers with our meat exclusively. Um, and she's doing a really great job of curating a good mix of local business and local talent in her store. And everyone needs to check it out. Great shout out, Kristen. Now let's bring it back to the two of you. Where can people find Long Lane Farms on the socials? And of course, we want to be able to get them watching uh, all the fun reels and, and posts that you guys are doing. Um, and of course, your website and, uh, and any specials and promotions you guys have going on. So you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. That's where we're most active. I do have a TikTok, but I'm not super great at it yet. Um, so my posting is very few and far between there. Um, you can find us. We haven't quite decided on what farmer's markets we're going to attend this year. So stay tuned for that. Um, we keep our website updated with all of the, um, with all of the meat that we have in stock. Um, and right now we actually have our meat shares open for sign up. So if that's something that you're interested, you can go onto our website and reserve your spot. Um, but our website is 
the best place to find any deals that we have going on. Perfect. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much to two hardworking farmers that are producing great food because you guys are contributing to our local economy, which is leading to healthier communities. And like you were saying too, um, it's preventing sickness too. So I mean, like, why not support your local farmers? Give Long Lane Farms a try. And uh, and honestly, guys, this has been so great. And I'm I'm so happy that we were finally able to do this. No, it's it's been great. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Boss Babe Corner featuring Long Lane Farms. So if you're not doing so already, guys, give them a follow on Facebook and Instagram. Give us a follow at OV Boss Babes Podcast on the socials. And be sure that you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now so that you never miss another episode.